You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. If you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now let's get to the show. Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, everybody, we have got a very interesting episode, Um, kind of a last-minute decision, Um, and we've all decided that Drew gets the, the game ball on this episode. Because Drew is the one who had this idea, and, and and I think it was Drew. Was it more of like a? I think you might have had something a little bit different in mind. But the the title is Redneck Jeopardy. Um, yes, Redneck Jeopardy. Yeah. So yes. so we have everybody here with us: Luke, Matt, Drew, myself, and Adam. We're all here, and we're going to play a little game of Redneck Jeopardy. 
What you guys think about that? I think like, Adam Adam doesn't look like he's ready to play Redneck Jeopardy. He's got paintings and stuff in the background. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. It's kind of messing Cur- me up. Courtesy of the Hampton Inn. Adam, we can't hear you. You're muted. Uh, <laughs> Adam, it's twice. It's twice. Adam, I really had no say. You're muted on. You're muted on Zoom, Adam. You're muted on Zoom. And, oh, oh, there, 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 there you are. No, you know, I I like literally make my living on Zoom all day long, and for me to have the Zoom problem, <laughs> it's like another level of embarrassment. So funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> So Adam, uh, now that you've joined us, we're playing Redneck Jeopardy, and <laughs> um, so let's lay out this groundwork, okay? Just so everybody who's listening can kind of understand how we're going to do this. Um, we had a couple of ideas of things that we could talk about, and we've also talked about doing these fireside chats, <clears throat> stuff where we just kind of get together and talk about random things. Um, at one point, we talked about us doing. Like at every fireside chat, one person from the group brings a subject matter and we all kind of shoot from the hip on that subject matter. But this one is going to be a, I feel it's going to be a, a plethora of uh, different topics that we're going to talk about in this. So I have asked all the guys to bring three scenarios to the table. So three random scenarios. I don't know. Mine are like super random. Are your guys like... Like really specific and random. Yes. Adam's like yeah. no. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm gonna be like you know asking softball questions. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, How do you hunt the rut? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, so we're gonna do this in a random number generator. So each of us have three scenarios. That makes fifteen altogether scenarios that we'll have to go through. And we're going to do a random number generator. So, for example, if it's Luke's turn and I will hit the random number generator for Luke, if it gives him a five, um, all of whose questions are five right now? Mine. Drew's question. So, Drew has uh, four, five, and six. Four, five, and six. So, if the number four, five, or six gets drawn. That's who reads the question or the, the scenario. So Drew would read the scenario. Luke has to answer how he would hunt that specific <clears throat> scenario. Are we clear on the rules? Clear. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Redneck Jeopardy. I'm on. Okay, <laughs> so I love it. Um, let's see. I have. Uh, we're gonna use random number generator for this to to see who goes first. Hey, what's the? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, was we'll see. Ask what the lineup was. Yeah, we'll see who goes first. Um, so I'm just going by order of the way it shows up on my screen. Luke is one. I'm two. Matt's three. Drew is four. Adam is five. All right. So we'll do random number generator. Max number is five, and we will generate a number. And five it is. So Adam, Adam, do we have a time limit on our answers? Um, good, good point, Luke. Well, point. no, because the discussion we'll try to keep it snippy so we can Rolling. get to to a lot of stuff. But some of the discussion after you, after whoever gives their answer, some of that discussion 
Uh, okay, so you're actually wanting some discussion after. Okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss through it. Because gotcha. the whole point is for listeners who are listening to be able to kind of hear us maybe go a little bit deeper into this specific scenario should they find themselves in that scenario. All right. Gotcha. Clear on the rules now? Yep. Good. All right. Adam, you get to go first with number 15, which is... <laughs> yes! Yes! Let's go. Me. Give me your easy one. <laughs> so, okay. So I can pick from whichever question I want, correct? Uh, yeah, Out sure. of my three. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's going to know, um, Luke. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, this this is pretty straight to the point. Um, you jump a buck while you're walking around in an area that you're hunting. During hunting season, what's your game plan after jumping them out of bed? Good mm, question. What? That's a good one. Can you tell me what part of the season we're in? And what the weather conditions are like. Listen, th- this is Redneck Jeopardy. This is not spelling bee. Okay? All right? He did form it in a question, you though. Use, you don't get to use it in a sentence or anything like that. Yeah, I was going to say, can you use that in a sentence form? <laughs> uh, it can, you can, how about this? You pick the okay. your perfect scenario of mm-hmm. how that happened. I'll pick bad weather in the rut for 300. What is bad like weather it. in the rut for 300? Yeah. <laughs> what is bad weather yeah. in the rut? It's a, it's a tornado for Adam. It's a tornado. <laughs> Tornadoes um, have worked well for Adam in the past. So, uh, you know, jumping bucks has also not always worked well, but I will say that uh, I would not get discouraged one bit. A matter of fact, I would either probably post up somewhere close by if i was like familiar with the area uh, especially with the right terrain features like escape routes coming back into bedding that's where i would look at adam would it would it matter for you uh like would it change the scenario in this if i said you were in uh hill country big woods versus farmland with crops and flat terrain yeah Maybe I'd probably react different, but, um, I'd probably go with, yeah, I'd just go with the same, even would, though that may not the be the right choice. I would go the same. Yeah. I was telling somebody this story, uh, today, actually, um, we were talking about which you, you, I can't remember if you were there that year, Adam or not, but it was the first year I went to Kentucky. Very mm-hmm. first day I went to Kentucky, uh, I hunted Kentucky that evening. I wanted this spot that looked pretty good. Ended up jumping two bucks off of a bedding area and uh, off of a little knob, like a little hill. Um, And there were, it was a strip of woods with two bean fields on either side of that strip of woods. And they were bedded basically where they could get to both bean fields pretty easily. Um, Jumped them out of that bed, went ahead and hung up. And I missed one of those bucks coming back into that area uh, right at dark. Um, I should have shot him and I didn't, but uh, I did get a shot at him. And it was definitely one of the same deer. And so I think, like what you said, we all kind of get maybe in the beginning of our hunting career before we realize what what it, the potential is for jumping a deer out of a bed. Early on, mm-hmm. if I bumped a deer, it's like, uh, well, crap, that deer's not coming uh, back for 14 years. Let's go home. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the whole reason I asked that is because uh, last year before last, my buddy and I had a picture of a really nice buck on camera that was just strictly um, night picks. And I knew he was bedding somewhere close because he had kind of had pressure. I knew he was kind of in an area that he just really wasn't wanting to move from. And so we eased up in where we thought he was bedding one day. It was like December 3rd or 4th. It was before rut. And it was like pre-rut. And we jumped him. And we knew that that was that deer immediately when we saw him. And we decided we're going to be back here it, the, tomorrow morning because it was like lunchtime tomorrow morning we're going to creep back in and we're going to hunt this spot and daylight rolled around that next morning and I hit a bleat and a grunt and he come easing out where we thought he was bedded and he was bedded almost in the exact same spot where we had jumped him and it was that was an eye-opener for me because I was the hunter that was like shoot I just blew it he's out of the freaking county there's no way, but that was super, super cool experience. So much good stuff to talk about right here. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. like maybe we should desert the idea of redneck <laughs> jeopardy and talk about bump and dumps. Uh, because I, I, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, but if nobody else has anything like super pressing, I think that was a, a pretty good, pretty good way to kick it off right there. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. The next one's me, and I'm, I'm just going to go in my order uh, that I can see on my screen, starting with Luke. The next one is me, and I got the number six. Ooh. Drew? Um, I knew you would actually get this one um, for some reason. Okay, so here here's the scenario. Spirit of God. Um, I know. It's all over it. Um, <laughs> so, and you have a lot of experience with this, um, actually. Okay, it is... It's early season, like opening weekend, whether that's the uh, velvet hunt um, in Tennessee, um, in Mississippi, which I heard there might be one coming yep. to Mississippi. I, heard um, that too. I, I know the Carolinas open real early. Kentucky opens early. So it, it's early season. You have a three day hunt that you schedule because you wanted to go kill a, a, a velvet buck. All right, Parker. So three day hunt. OK, um, obviously, we all know there's not going to be a cold front um in that all right um but uh so you have friday saturday sunday you get there on thursday afternoon nightish okay it the the radar shows rain all day saturday all day saturday okay super early season this is public land okay public land early season rain is 100 percent um scheduled on saturday so you're banking on a washout on saturday how do you approach that three-day hunt in early season that's a great question, and almost, I know you're making a joke right there about it, no cold fronts, but the rain front really is going to work as a cold front, and it's going to be sudden, too, so more than likely, it's not going to like drop down to 30 degrees and then start raining. It's going to be hot, and then it's going to start raining. It's still going to be hot, but it's going to be cooler significantly with that water, and I think Adam's scenario that he lived in... uh uh, Tennessee two years ago, 164 inch velvet buck in the middle of tornadoes and rain and hurricane and all kind of crap. Uh, and those deer were very specifically on their feet that day compared to the other days that we were there. And they were predictable on what time of the day they would be moving because pretty much when it stopped raining, they were going to be moving. 
Um, and you have the added benefit of it's early season. So if it's early season, I'm going to assume that I'm hunting somewhere where there's crops because that's where I hunt in the early season. Right. So I'm going right. to assume and, that. And you, yeah. And you have no prior knowledge of the place other than, you know, Spartan Forge, Onyx, you know, like, like mapping. Yeah. So you've, you, you've never stepped foot on it. Okay. What are, what are some of the key um, features that you're looking for on, on that property? So I'm going to get real aggressive on that rainy day. That's going to be my first plan is mm-hmm. to get in really close to places because I have the added benefit of cover. So I'm going to spend Friday and I'm still going to hunt Friday. Uh, but I'm going to do most, I'm mostly going to be scout hunting. So Friday when I have good or hot, clear weather, I'm going to walk until walk the edges of these bean fields until I find where they are entering into the bean fields, where a, a good chance that they're entering into those bean fields. And then I'm going to backtrack from there off of those beans and try to find where they're bedding at and probably try to hunt right there on Friday closer to their bedding because they're going to be moving uh they're going to be moving around their bed but it's going to be a lot later in the day because it's summertime basically on in early season so it's hot it's going to be close to dark when they get on their feet and do that then the next day i'm going to go and sit close to those beans um and that trail where the trail comes into those beans and i'm going to sit through the rain i'm going to sit through all that stuff and wait for the breaks in the rain because those deer are not 100%, but a high percentage chance that they're going to be filtering down that trail into those beans during the rain breaks. I got you. Now, let me ask you, throw throw a caveat in here real quick before we move on. Let's say you're not in Kentucky and you're in pine country of of Mississippi or Mm -hmm. South Carolina. um, Talk us through that where you don't have a um, ag field. Well, they're not going to be nearly as predictable, number one. Uh, Their food sources are not going to be very predictable. If I just have those days to hunt, uh, I don't know that I'm going to treat the rain day that much different in the early season in the hills of Alabama. That was I'm, probably, I'm probably going to sit out that day, honestly, because you just, if it's a different part of the season, the rain and all that, the, those weather shifts are, are good, but early season, they're not as predictable. Um, if you can find a white oak, maybe, or a persimmon, something, some kind of hot food source, that'd be your best chance. But I don't know that I'm going to hunt it much different on that rainy day than I would the, the clear day. Now, Drew, I'll butt in real quick. Um, a few years ago, what like kind of what it's doing right now, we're not getting a ton of rain. We're getting a little bit at a time. So say we're experiencing a drought uh, the year that you plan mm-hmm. this hunt. That, that rain, you know, then we'll make deer move here in the south, like Alabama and Pine Country, because it's it's something very drastic and different that these deer haven't seen. You know, say a month, two months with no rain. When they see that rain, they're going to get up and move. Yeah, I think Good I point. think the thing there is that it would just be harder to predict where they're going to move to. Right, they're go, they're going to move. They're going to move. It's just where. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that just big food source sitting there, sure. Adam. I would. I'll increase your probability in Tennessee and Kentucky by saying find CRP and grown up fields because that's where the bucks are going to be probably bedded close to those bean fields. So if I wouldn't go looking for fresh cut, I'd go find something kind of gnarly grown up that's connected to ag. And then between the two is where you want to be. I think it's kind of what we found in Kentucky hunting up there. Those locals told us that and it seemed to be true. 
And your Tennessee Velvet Buck was just like that. Same, same, same deal. Same yep. scenario. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, my next person that I have here is Matthew. Oh, Matthew. All right, mm-hmm. Matt, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, Matt, you got the number 10. That's me. Oh, man, we got to random again. Do another one. You got nine, which is me. Okay. Good deal. All right. I'm going to give you my hardest one that I have. Atta boy. <laughs> All right. Okay. This will be a great one for you, Matt. This will be a good one. This is a private land hunt. Um, but Ooh, it, it matches up with yes. with some of your private ha- private land hunts that I think you've done. Okay. Yeah. All right. You've got access to 10 acres of private land. Baiting it's archery only. <clears throat> Baiting is legal, so you can put out corn. And you have corn out, but all you're getting are nighttime pictures. This is the only place that you can hunt at this given time. What's your play? So the what I mean by what's your play is is are you going to continue to hunt it? What are you going to do in that situation to make that a place where you have a, a chance at a deer in the daylight? Okay. Um, that, that's funny you say that. I've actually kind of had this situation before. Um, first, you know, put out, you'll have your game camera on your bait pile. Uh, you'll see what time your pictures are. You know, depending on what time your pictures are, you have limited area to move in that 10 acres. Um First, I'd find their main trail that they're using to get to that to that food source, and then I'd get as close to the property line as I could to begin with. Um, if you do that and you're still getting nighttime pictures, and that's the only place you have to hunt, you better just like putting in time um, and just hoping one messes up. Because a lot of the times, those deer, when they do have a major front move in, they will change their patterns a lot. And then also rut. And the different seasons changes how those deer will move. Um, so me personally, um, I would probably just put up a cell camera and let that cell camera sit on that pile until I see a break in the movement or it's shifting their time of when they move. Um, other than that, I'd probably just sit, sit at home until that changes. Um, and that and that's just me. And I would probably put multiple cameras on that parcel to make sure I'm covering as much area as I can, you know, probably do a couple sits on some corners where I don't have cameras just so I can confirm, Hey, there's these deer aren't one walking behind my camera or just, you know, skirting the edge, you know, sometimes they'll run fence lines on property lines and totally miss a camera and not even enter the property, but they're just using that 10 first 10 yards in the fence line to move through there. So that's, that's how I would go about it. You know, you just got to put in your time and make sure, you know, don't a hundred percent count on cameras because they can't tell you everything. Um, and I've been guilty of doing that, but cover the place in cameras, put it, do a couple of blind sits. And if there's nothing the deer go in there for, it's kind of hard to hunt 10 acres where it's the, I guess the timber type does not provide any, any food. You know, it could be 10 acres of nothing but sweet gums and pines, with a clear understory, those deer have no reason to be in there unless you're pouring out a hundred pounds of corn. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. That's something I didn't even think about in the scenarios. What kind of acreage it is? You know, is it oaks or is it pines or? I guess in my head, it's just a mixture of both. Mm-hmm, um, right. Yeah, just a mix hardwood forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Parker, I'll, I'll 
I'll also jump in here because um, a lot of my properties that I have access to are this um, just with people in the community or in, in our church that have five, seven, ten, ten acres. And one of the things I found, and I know it's it's kind of old and and redundant, but access really is everything that's on a small piece of property. Yes. Like um, if because you normally have only one way in normally on on ten acres because it's it's butts up against the resided private land that you can't access or, or whatever. So you you only have one way in normally. So if the wind's not right at all, you can't you just can't hunt it. What I have found though is on on these smaller pieces. And this is the only time I ever really do this is on a smaller piece is that first rub line that opens up. If you get on that first rub line, uh, when you first see it, you, you up your odds just a little bit. I don't know what it is about a small, like five, 10, 10 acre plot, man. But when that first one opens up, um, it seems to be pretty fresh and, and, and somebody, I mean, a, a buck is using it. Now, if you don't have, if you have cameras out, you probably know what it is. If not, um, I don't run a lot of cameras on, on 10 acres for the exact opposite of what Matt was saying. Um, I think you can put out too many and you have too much scent going around, but that's just me, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I know Matt, Matt's killed a lot more deer than I have. So I'll, I'll, I'll just, that's where, that's where, that's where the cell cell cams do help there. But, um, I, I have found that that first rev line that opens up, if you can, if you can find it when it's just hit and just made, and you sit it for a couple times, but that's all you have is like two or three sets, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder. Also, I wonder if perhaps that the reason it is on those small pieces of property, Drew, that you're talking about, it's not like mm-hmm. like a big giant piece of national forest. You can find several right. scrape lines or rub lines or whatever. <laughs> you can find several of those, and so mentally you don't know where to concentrate your effort when you're in a smaller place. Your odds go up there because mentally that's the only one you can. You don't have just a whole bunch of options of places that you can go to. Yeah. yeah. No, no. And, and um, I'm sorry, Matt. Go no, ahead. you good. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say that on like big tracks of public or even big, big tracks of private, I don't hardly ever hunt rubs or scrapes. Um, yeah. Just because I've, I've just like Jamie McKay said, like two years ago, you know, we, we, we asked him that question. He's like, well, if you sit over it for 10 years and don't see nothing, then you stop hunting. <laughs> it's like, well, that's, that's, that's true. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've said enough to, and struck out enough, but man, there's something about a five acre plot, man, that when you, when, whenever you get it, I don't know what it is. It's, it can be money. Yeah. And, and who, go ahead, Matt. Now you've been waiting. Hit up. <laughs> oh, we, no, we, we just keep it around the reeds, man. This is Matt's question. Go for it, Matt. No, I was just, I was just going to kind of reiterate. So say you have 10 acres. Uh, I know everybody says you could have the right two acres and kill 160 inch deer on it. It's just got to be the right two acres. It's got to have all the components that a deer needs to live there, food, water, and cover. Um, But also the 10 acres, where is that 10 acres? What's around it? You know, is it around bean fields? Is it connected to 2000 acre WMA? Is it connected to private land that's well-managed? There's just a lot of factors that can go into what makes a 10 acres really good or really bad. And I've experienced both of them. That's exactly what I was about to say, Matt, is being able to look at the properties around. And that's what I've been trying to do with, you know, my family land is going, okay, 
I don't think these people have this on their property. That's what I sent earlier last week or whenever it was that I was planting chestnut trees. I don't know of anybody in that area that have chestnut trees, but deer love them. I mean, they love chestnuts. And so being able to do, I mean, if you're allowed to, I don't know if it's like permission, whatever that is, but being able to, if you can create as much of a reason for deer to be on your property as possible if you can do that yeah I think it's habitat management and just yeah. making disturbances everything that goes back to uh, a podcast that's a good listen with david miller from i want to say around when was that luke i think january probably in january sometime no, um, i don't think it was i don't think it was that long ago was it if you got well listen it's been march it was march well, Luke should know because Luke Luke asked for his autograph and don't. Phone yeah. Hey, David, if you're listening I mean, to this, I'm so, your number one fan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> talking about, uh, but like habitat manipulation on small. It was good, properties. man. It was yeah, good. It's a great episode. Yeah, with, this, the with, same thing. If you don't have big equipment, all that stuff is uh-huh. a great conversation. So, um, who's next? Drewski's next. Yeah. And Drew, you got two. Adam? Mm. Oh, come mm. on, Cruz. I feel bad because I've. I've got my geography is Tennessee. I guess we could change this to Alabama, but it wouldn't really work. So we're going to go with Tennessee, Drew. Sorry. Okay. It's late December in Tennessee. The rut is over. The weather is mild and warm. You're not seeing any deer at all in any of your normal spots. What are you doing next to find bucks? Can I just, can I just interrupt right here and say how much Adam sounds like he just narrated a a show for the outdoor (laughs) channel. (laughs) It sounded like listening to Clay Newcomb. Tell a story. Yes, you probably will get <laughs> phone calls after this, Adam. That, hey, can you read me a bedtime story? <laughs> that was beautiful. Anything read, for money. Read that again for my sake, because I was just sitting there thinking, man, that sounds nice. <laughs> like, man, he's on National Geographic. <laughs> Goodness. I'm blushing. Uh, it, it's late December in Tennessee. The rut's over. The weather is mild and warm. You aren't seeing any deer at all in your normal spots. What are you doing to find bucks? Public or private? Public. So you got like plenty of room to roam. Well, my first thought is uh, to go back to the bump and dump and uh, find one, bump it, and then try to hunt them down. Um, and dump it. Yeah, and dump it. Because um, if, if you're talking about uh, late Tennessee, that's that's rifle season, correct? Yep, you have rifle. And so, um, and then I would actually try to focus on clear cuts to do that. And so circle clear cut, try to uh, bump one. But if I couldn't do that, I would also try to find the greenest thing that I could. Cause I know they're looking to replenish after the rut if they're, if they're running a lot. And so now that would be difficult on public, um, because, you know, obviously you can't necessarily plant food plots and, and, and everything like that. And most of your natural browse is is gone um but i have seen some late acorns fall during that time at least down here in the state of alabama um, i'm gonna assume it's kind of similar up there in tennessee um the only time i've hunted tennessee has been early season um and so i would try to find that last oak that's dropping because if you can find that one um you're pretty much going to have a bunch of deer on you um there so if i couldn't bump and dump them um then I would search out that last um, food source, whatever that might be. If that's if that's uh, 
red oak, white oak, um, uh, if that's some just natural vegetation. I know sometimes you can find some um, where if the, if you're in some, some pines where it, the canopy opens up a little bit and you have a small little 20 acre, I mean, a, a 20 yard plot. So just got a bunch of green where the sunlight hit and you can find them chewing on some stuff like that too. Um, but I'm, I'm a natural roamer. I don't like to necessarily sit up in, in trees. I, I like to go get them. Um, especially with a rifle, um, you know, you, you widen your shot distance there, obviously got to be careful, safety, you know, all that. But, um, if I can, if I can bump them up and um, shoot them like that, that's how I'd rather do it. I will also throw in here with with what Drew's talking about. If you're looking specifically at Tennessee, other than East Tennessee, which I've never really hunted Eastern Tennessee, but most of Middle and West Tennessee, you're going to find agriculture around a lot of the public land. Um, not all of it, but a lot of it, you will, and that's the kind of places that I would try to go to in that late season is like like I said before in early season if I'm hunting an early season place I'm going to try to find those same food sources in the late season because that's what they're going to return back to especially mm-hmm. if it's a cornfield or a bean field um, like that they're no longer eating the bean leaves they're eating the actual beans at that point that are in the field and with corn they're eating the corn that's left over or whatever uh, Kentucky I hunted Kentucky late season. Adam, I know we've done a whole podcast about you hunting Kentucky late season. Those crop fields are just It was totally different up amazing. there. Amazing. Yeah. Way different than Tennessee. Oh man, just from my experience. So southern Tennessee, I would love to hunt late December. Northern middle Tennessee, I'd rather not hunt. I'd rather just go to Kentucky. <laughs> I have no idea why that is. I'd rather be in southern Tennessee or Kentucky. One of the two. There were some differences. I mean, when I hunted Middle Tennessee in January, two seasons ago, it was tough, man. It was just tough hunting. And there was ag and stuff around and it just wasn't. By that point, a lot of your uh, a lot of your um, crops have already started to, uh, they're no longer empty fields. They're, I, I can't remember what it's called, the, the early growth that comes uh, yeah. comes up in those crop fields. It's, a lot of it's already starting to come up in January. So it just looks like a big food plot, but it's still green, something green for them to eat. And so, you know, it's a good opportunity. Um, That was a good one. I like that one. Drew, I like the answer, too, about um, roaming. I think uh, run into different creators like THP have really shown that that is an effective tactic, even in the south um, during the late season. Don't think you got to just stick to, to a single tree. Um, Adam, you're next, man. Mm-hmm. Let me generate this number. Uh, let's see here. I think that it gave you one of your numbers. Hey, you skipped me. Huh? I was going to say. You skipped me, my man. No, I didn't. Didn't you start? Yeah. No, I started. No, Adam, I, I Adam we started. Remember, he had my, my oh, question. Oh, he had your question. Okay. Hey, you, yeah. I, you asked this. If it's hard and I don't feel comfortable answer, I'll just throw it off on Adam. Okay. Well, it actually was yours. So, sorry, I got confused. Dang. You got That's seven. So funny. I is, have seven. Which is me. Yeah. Luke, you, All get, right. you get mine. All right. You've got 10 acres. I'm just kidding. Not really. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Immediately. Trying to figure out uh, what are you planting? What are you planting <laughs> in Southern Tennessee? Um. All right. Some bare dirt. All right, Luke. Uh, it's public land, okay? And this one, this one is one that I, I wrote out because it's special to me. Okay, you have two options on this piece of public land, and it's the rut. Also, you have two options. You can access by a river. It's about a three-mile boat ride. Um, and if you access by the river, you only have to walk thirty yards to your spot, so minimal intrusion. Option number two, you have to walk a mile and a half from a parking area to get to the very same spot. Um, which access are you going to use and why? That is specifically going to depend on where I'm going to, where I'm expecting deer to be at. So if I thought, it's be I thought you might ask that. I thought you might ask that very same thing. So okay, is it two part? No, but I'm going to add to the I'm going to add to the scenario because there's a lot of specifics with this wind yeah. direction, where the deer are going, where they're coming from, or is the river the best spot? Here's Correct. here is my here's the way that I would phrase this. It's the rut. Wind direction still matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much. So both. Correct. Both of them are going to offer. Both of them are going to offer an equal amount of pros and cons. Is there one like hill to die on when it comes to water access versus walking access? For me specifically, no. The only the the only reason if I have if I know that I'm going to have access on both pieces is if another hunter can get to it from a parking area and they don't see my truck they don't know that i'm in there so they're gonna they're gonna walk in there and i'm not gonna be able to say hey i'm here without them coming through with a flashlight me you know saying something yeah yeah absolutely so it i get i guess it all depends on if i feel like i don't have that problem if obviously during the rut which to me, unless I know specifically, like this is where I'm expecting deer to come from or to be at, um, I really don't care about wind that much. But the, yeah, the person seeing me or me seeing them, I would say would be kind of that bigger factor. It would depend on who, what what lands around or. Um, how close the roads are to where I'm going to access from the water. Cause if you said it was what a mile. Yeah. It's a three, it's road, a three mile paddle or boat ride yeah. versus a, a mile and a half walk in. So both probably yeah. equally as draining, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, you know, that's usually not too, too bad, but you know, people really aren't wanting to walk that far unless they've got a good game plan of what they're doing. Sure. That's kind of where I was coming from with that question. So a mile and a half, that knocks out a, a lot of people, right? That are gonna that are going to try to hunt that could potentially come in on your area. I mean, most people, there are people a lot of people listening to this podcast probably are the guys that would go a mile and a half. 
But the majority of people actually hunting are not going to walk a mile and a half. They just aren't going to. Um, even in like great, like easy terrain places, they're just most of the time not going to go a mile and a half. Um, and so you have that. That's why I made it specifically a mile and a half and not a mile because that's a lot of people's cutoff is a mile. So you have barriers on both sides. It's the rut. So for some people, the wind direction might still be something that they're really thinking about but since the rut maybe not you know deer movement is kind of sporadic still at that point so that might not be a big deal but the reason why I would choose the water access every time is because when I access in the morning my hill that I want to die on with this when I access in the morning I want my thermals to be pulling towards the water um, now, that also means once the sun starts coming up that my thermals are going to push back up that way, but most of the time I'm I'm going to be set up in such a way that that doesn't happen. You have the potential, but regardless, in your access, the thing that you absolutely can not really um, control as much in the dark, my access to the thermal, that's my hill. That's the thing that I'm always going to come back to is where is the access, where are my thermals going to be best? thermals or wind going to be best in my yeah, access so that sure. was kind of my I'd, I'd be interested um uh, and i know luke you haven't water access just a ton for deer so that may be something further along the line that you like maybe have a a more concrete answer of how you would you might answer it differently you know yeah. And like you said, there's a lot of specifics with that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's places, you know, I know like places you're specifically talking about that aren't that, that huge up the hill where that's going to be morning, evening, that's going to vary. But I completely agree with you on the specific scenario and the terrain and the way those thermals are, are ripping up or down. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now we're going to go back to Adam. You are up, my friend, and you are 11. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up a little bit here, too. This is going to have some hunting scenarios and hunting etiquette um, in in my question. Good. I was worried I wasn't going to get picked. I was, I, I was waiting. Okay, so here, here's, here's yours, Adam. So, you, you've met a buddy from church, somebody you know, you take them hunting, uh, just introduce them to hunting, see, you know, and you decide to take them to a spot that, you know, that you go to a lot, that you like to hunt. Uh, it's prime, prime conditions, everything's going. So you get ready one Saturday morning, you head out there and you're just, you know, you're going to your tree. You think you got it all to yourself and you, you're about to get to your tree and you see another headlamp. And you're like, well, dang, somebody beat me here, you know, and you walk up there and it's your buddy. What do you do? Dang. <laughs> oh, this guy man. real. Which oh. friend? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just it's somebody you introduced to hunting. I mean, you're not you don't talk to him every day. It, you know, it's it's not like your best friend, but you know, it's well, just I mean, if you, it changes if you met him at church, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, it totally on, changes. <laughs> well, okay, I'm okay. I'm a, a guy a guy who reached out <laughs> a guy who reached out here. on saddlehunters.com to you um, in, in any scenario did he take him in, to this spot for the first time is this where he introduced him to hunting yeah this okay. is where he introduced so so he only knows 
to get that he can go to this spot. Did he ask permission to go to that spot though before he went? No, you just oh, went one morning and he just showed up. He I'm overly, I'm overly a nice guy. I would even tell him where I think he should go and how if he accessed it wrong, how he should do it next time. And I'd walk okay. away. Okay, I'd just walk away. Jeez, yeah, that'd be tough. That's tough. That because I feel like I may have that scenario at some point um because i've had scenarios like that where i wasn't there but they went there and uh you know that's that's hard you know i mean you you know in the back of your head other places you can go and it it would be hard to tell that guy hey you need to go over here you need to get out of here you know but well, if we were turkey hunting i'd probably cut his tires it'd be, or something yeah it'd be different turkey yeah, <laughs> yeah. different turkey. Yeah, i was literally just about to say you're gonna have confidence walking away knowing the lord's gonna bless you with a big buck now yeah. that just went down the drain yeah i know your heart adam <laughs> yeah. if no, you hear Gary, four shots during turkey season adam just spent 40 bucks on four, on tires. four tires so that's pretty legit good. okay so you so you just say okay and you, you'd walk away if we're deer hunting, I'd literally walk away. Okay. Okay. Now, Matt, hold on. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a question here too because me and Parker, yeah. um, we haven't been in this because I didn't pull my phone out. But if if you take a guy turkey hunting and it's also one of your good deer hunting spots, and they start and they pull up on extra Spartan Forge and start dropping pins, what do you do? Uh, is that to me? That's that. Well, that's that's to anybody. It, I mean, that okay. makes, that makes me, like, without a, asking. I'm going piggyback, so I'll go ahead and answer that one. That's a little bit different, and I don't know why. Like, if okay. a man's sitting there trying to drop some pins, then we get to have the conversation, like, hey, just so you know, like, this is kind of one of my spots. And I don't mind if you come here, but some serious communication needs to be involved so we're not overlapping. It's a long drive. It's a long walk. I'll go through all this. Um, that's, that's a different scenario for me. I don't know why, but it is. Mm -hmm. and it gives me an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, I'd be answer. too mad to talk about it in the morning when I see his headlamps. Cause if we got in a confrontation, I'm afraid I'd lose, you know, control and sin. This happened, to, <laughs> this happened to us, Drew. No, what, what, what I'm saying is me, me and you went Turkey hunting a couple years ago oh, okay, and you took you. me to like, like, you're like, bro, this is, this is it, you know, like this hillside, you know what I'm saying? And so I was like, I was like, cool. And like, I felt like I, I felt like I needed to like Ricky Bobby, like both hands need to be up. Like what do I do with my hands? You know? Cause I'm like, don't reach in the pocket. Don't, you know, but, um, but I also know Parker, there's been some other dudes that have gone in there and, yeah. um, you know, yeah, that hillside, that, uh, that uh, hillside. hillside he showed me like three years ago. Drew, that you've one. been behind that one. I already had that marked on my, on my apps. Yeah, but your family though too, Luke. So it's different. <laughs> no, hey, you know it's funny you say that. Even with Parker, here I've said this before. Even, even when it's family friends, and I'm not about drama. I just recognize people's hard work. Like, yeah, people that have put in the time and that have put in. And Adam, you that was a great answer. I just respect people's time that they've put in. I I don't feel like that would be right of me to just start doing X, Y, Z without at least respecting the fact that, Hey, you put in the time here, you've, you've put boots on the ground. You're showing me this spot. And this is the whole reason I'm here. You know, let's communicate about, you know, how I could hunt or if you don't want me to something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm open. Like I tell people all the time, I said, look, 
I'll take you this spot. I'll show you what to look for. Let's mirror this somewhere else. Um, I'll teach you how to read a map, everything. And that, and like you said, Luke, on the hard work, I, I tell people too, I said, I've worked too dang hard for all these spots. You know, they're, they're good spots because I've worked hard for them. You don't just walk up to them. And, you know, I mean, I had a guy be like, oh, yeah, I'll probably take my dad out here. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, I guess that's part of it, introducing people to, to hunting, but it sucks too. Um, but the, the, the misconception with that, though, too, Matthew, is that they think that's the only spot we hunt. You know, like yeah. that's like, like we're going to hunt it every weekend. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, no man like i mean it's in a rotation yeah there's there's only certain times that 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 spot's good to hunt you know communication is everything in life too like if you take somebody you better expect them to come back if you don't talk about it and at least like have that conversation on the way there like hey this is one of my honey holes you know like kind of lay down those ground rules and your feelings expectations as you're you're sharing that with them absolutely and i i used to never hunt with anybody i just wasn't worth it and i and i'm still that way and i've i opened my doors a little bit this season just to try to you know have some friends and do it but man i'm about to go back hunting by myself just you know don't have to worry about anything else <laughs> reese is like screw friends who cares no i, I mean i've I don't i've had i've had guy i had a guy he was like man i've been asking you for four years to take me turkey hunting why you know why won't you take me i'm just i'm just weird about my spots and who i take I trust my dad, and that's about it. Yeah, that's me too. I've trusted a few more people. Uh, Luke, I, me and you finally got to go out there and hunt together, the kayak access yeah. spot. And what I mean, your family, we're buddies. We talk a lot. We worked together at the time. What well, as I said, as I just don't come back without letting me know. No, <laughs> and know? that's the thing. It's like, and I, I haven't breathed a word to anybody about those spots just again it goes back to because i just that's just a mutual respect like i, I just know that there that would cause conflict and i like i said i'm yeah. not about the drama i don't i don't care about it and yeah. that that goes back into people who continually hunt and know what it takes to go into an area we have enough respect for another hunter not to just be like hey look at this this is where i went yeah. to parker you know but yeah. other people don't they didn't grow up in it they don't know the proper mm-hmm. etiquette and that's you know that's kind of one reason i asked this question was to bring hunter's etiquette up just a little bit but yeah i feel like we spent mm-hmm. enough time on this one let's go to our that next a good one yeah I like next that one. one that's me uh and i got uh let's see 12 did we already do 12 that's me again that's me again gum. back to back heck yeah let's go here's, man. An, here's another kind of etiquette question too okay you're uh, you're on public land. Let's say you're in Alabama. You don't get to see this much in Alabama. And uh, you're walking through the woods and you hear something just awful sound. You walk up and there's just two dang 140-inch bucks fighting. Okay? They have no idea you're there. You're standing at 30 yards and they're just fighting. Okay? So you can either wait till they get locked up and they're kind of sitting, not like locked up, locked up where you got to cut them out, but where they're just pushing against each other at a standstill and you can shoot one of them and kill it or you wait for them to separate and risk them running off and not getting a shot at either of them is it legal light yes it's legal light. 
<laughs> want to make sure that is this under sick. spotlight or what are we talking about? Here? <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> Offense down the road. <laughs> You're driving down the interstate. You see two bucks fighting. Uh, so you hit him with your truck, or do you try to shoot? Him? <laughs> or do you pull out your pistol and shoot him? Oh. Uh, uh, Man, I've never been I've never been faced with this decision. Uh, I've heard this story before I like this of, pe- of bucks being locked down on each other. Yeah. Um and they'll be like, "Man, I was 20 yards from him. I just couldn't shoot him." I I, I, I won't call bull crap on that, but I understand there are times when deer are that close you can't get a shot, but here's your chance, Parker, tell me what you think. Man, I almost Almost put it in the category with reaping turkeys, okay. um, which I don't necessarily have a ton wrong with it ethically. So you're walking through with antlers on your head? No, you know, going. <laughs> no, fact, they're, they're, not, okay. they're just, you're saying just, they're quote unquote defenseless. <laughs> they're not being yes. able to use any I'm, of their. I'm surprised skills. that that answered Parker. I'll be honest. I'm surprised that. that well, I've never been. I've never been faced with a decision. I would, if I had to sit here and tell you, I mean, if they're big bucks, I'm going to take the best opportunity that I have, that I have been given. Now, I didn't manipulate the situation at all, like I would with a reaping fan or whatever. I didn't do anything except for walking to the right place at the right time, which is a lot of deer hunting anyways. Um, so I didn't, I wouldn't say I would be necessarily doing anything that makes it less fair for me to do it right then versus when they're not locked up. I would be concerned about uh, it, it, a couple of things. I would, if they were like locked up, locked up. No, they're, they're not locked up, locked up. Gun or bow. Like where you got to cut them out. Okay. Gun. They're just. I'm shooting. Hundred percent. I'm shooting. Yeah, they're not. They're not locked up, dragging each other. No. I'd still put it in that they're they're. It's in a defenseless thing. Maybe not be as sporting feeling, I guess, as shooting one mm-hmm. walking down a trail or whatever. But I would a hundred percent shoot it um, because yeah. of I'm there to make sure that Whew, if they were gosh. locked up. Thank God, Parker. <laughs> come back around. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I would shoot, but, but I still think there is some, it, it's almost in that same category as far as the state of the animal at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, also the, the, the biggest issue that I have with reaping is that the turkey population is rapidly declining. And that's where my, that's where my maybe morals come into play with reaping versus this, the deer population is not really in a decline. Um, we're not, you know, you're out there, those deer are freaking smart and they're outsmarting you 95% of the time. If God gives you a situation where you can shoot 140 inch deer, then shoot him. And if I'm in a state where I can shoot two bucks in a day, then I'm probably going to shoot both of them. Yeah. I got a part two. I'm going to put a twist on this. Okay. So we talked about them being locked up. Say you walk up on a bedded buck that's sleeping. I'm shooting him. I'm still shooting him. Okay. Absolutely, Good. I'm shooting him. Torching. Um, never tell if, Parker if, you shot him, but shoot him nonetheless. Yeah. Why wouldn't not, you tell me not, that you shot him? It's because not my you might fault. come on the podcast and be like, you shot a, a bed at buck. I can just see <laughs> Then you do. I can see it it's, now. That's the tagline. <laughs> it's not my fault that he spent all night drinking and, and you know, out with the ladies. I can't yep. help that. Okay. Adam, God forbid right. I did it. I'll never hear the end of it. 
I mean, so. the, the the time that we target deer the most is when they're horny. Yeah. Uh, are you more vulnerable when you're that way or when you're sleeping? I kind of well, feel like well, I'm well, a little well, more well, vulnerable. My senses are always 100%. <laughs> I'm never vulnerable. Big Jeopardy's taking a turn. My senses, is, they enhance. I will bet you that that buck's senses as he's sleeping are more in tune. I bet he is more in tune with sound, smell, and uh, yeah. sight. Even, you yep. know, when he's sleeping, obviously sight isn't one of those. But the sound and smell, I'll bet he is more in tune with those things than he is when he's chasing a hot doe. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, and Matt, also going going back to your first part, um, I actually saw, and you, you, you might have seen it too, the the um, uh, Lindsey Way had this happen one time where they had two monsters locked up. Mm-hmm. and. He he actually went up with a with a saw and cut the antler loose. Deer and hunting season, right. and both of them got away. And I, and I can say, as I watched that video, like I was like, "Dang, that's I I appreciate that," you know. So yes, yes. If, it, if if that helps at all, you know. Well, yeah, that, if they that's were good for them. Yeah, good for them. I was about to say, I'd have killed one, then <laughs> I'd have where the other one couldn't get away, and I sawed his antlers off, and he just ran away. They're and they're yeah, they're in a different category than us, but oh, yeah, no, that's know, that's that's an that, Iowa, so that that's know, one of different. those things where we're like, okay, they uh they're locked up. I'll probably never see a deer this big again in my life. Um, let's just uh, nah, you know, I'd shoot it, I'd shoot it with a bow, yeah. I'd shoot it with a rifle. I mean, the, spirit. the whole I was about to say, Luke, Luke would spirit shoot it with a uh, you know, ninja star or something like it. I mean, Luke would. So good stuff. That's mine. That, like that's it. mine. Matt, you were up and you got the hey, number eight. Man. Who has eight? That must hey, be Parker? me. Must be me because nobody's answering. Get, get another one? Yep, that's me. Is that all, all right. mine? That's all mine. That's, yeah. Look at that. It's rigged. System's rigged. All right. So, and I'm asking this to Matt, right? That's right. All right, Matt. It's public land. It's the middle of the rut. 80 degrees, but you're in a high deer density area. It's the normal, which 80 degrees in a high, uh, 80 degrees in the south during the rut isn't anything abnormal. So you're kind of just in the south and it just happens to be a 80 degree day. Um, The wind, though, is not in favor for your best spots. So the spots where you need to be going to during the rut, wind's not in your favor. Do you rely on sporadic movement and bucks being off their guard and hunt the good spots anyways, even though your wind is not good? Or do you go find a new spot with the wind in your favor? I hunt the good spots with the bad wind. Even on an 80-degree day? Is it worth risking on an 80-degree day when the movement's probably still going to be a little lower? Yes. Because you only have that certain window where a doe is hot. And if you're not in there when that doe is hot, that that movement could go stagnant as soon as the rut's over. So you only have a certain window to get in there. So whether you get in there when the wind is right or the wind is wrong, that's going to be your only window of opportunity. So I'd rather risk it and just have a buck that's very off guard come in there and probably get to shoot him rather than not go in there at all when that doe's hot in there. It's interesting. Does anybody, Yolo, baby. anybody have a have a – Different answer. Mm-mm. Everybody would do the same thing. 
All right, then I, I would probably do the same thing too, but I'm going to play devil's advocate, okay, and tell you, <laughs> and tell you why I would go to the new spot. Um, okay. I think all of us probably have these things that I've talked about a lot, the, the uh, common denominator areas, and you all probably have spots that have all the things that we look for that we know deer like that we've just never gone to for one reason or the other. we just never gotten mm-hmm. there to it. We've never hunted it. I know I have spots like that. Um, the reason I would go to one of those new spots is because you never know what it could produce. If it has all the things that you look for and you know deer like that stuff in your area, that could be the spot. And you're in the best time of the season to know if that's a good spot or not. Because I've had right. spots, uh, the the spot that I've hunted um, this, this past season, I killed two bucks off the same spot in that thermal hub. I hunted it for the first time during the rut, and all of a sudden, I killed a buck there both days that I hunted it this season. The only other times I've ever hunted that were early season, and it sucked, and I didn't see a deer. There was sign everywhere, but I still didn't see a deer, and I crossed it off the list of potential spots to go to during the rut. There's no telling the amount of deer that I could have potentially killed in the last 10 years off of that spot had I hunted it during the rut earlier than I hunted it this year. And the only reason I hunted it this year was because the weather was wrong. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll go into this spot because I'm not too worried about burning it on a yeah. crappy day. So that's yep. my and that's dude, my alternate. I've had answer. that happen is not in the weather situation, but like somebody beat me to a spot, mm-hmm. in a parking spot. And, hey, I've got to go to my second option. And it turns out being better and the first option. I actually had that happen a couple of years ago on public land. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there, Parker. And that, that can also go back to, are you hunting a particular deer? Uh, is there a certain one that you're going after in that, you know, area that you like to hunt? And that's, that's usually my, my scenario. I, I usually like to find the deer and kind of hone in on his area and kind of stay with him rather than leave him. Uh, so that, you know, that goes, also into why my answer was what it is sure and we we also we now most of us all of us here are using really good mobile hunting equipment and so wind direction and and conditions like that we can manipulate a little bit better because we can get into any tree your access is still going to matter so your access and where the deer are going to be potentially that could that's still going to be your most important thing but as far as where you actually set up i can set up on nearly all of my spots it may not be the best spot but still have the wind in my favor no matter what the wind direction is so that's Mm -hmm. another uh sales pitch for mobile hunting is that you can really manipulate your spots easier yeah and but the kicker of this question was the 80 degree day Mm -hmm. um that that was the kicker and that that shows you you know if you you, it's just a burner day almost you know honestly if it's 80 degrees in the rut i'm probably not going to be out in the woods but if i am you know i'm gonna either go to a spot that i know of or like you said parker hey let's go try something new um but most of the time if it's that hot i'm gonna stay home yeah that's that's hard that's that's also uh uh, a preference type thing too and like and like a, a free time type thing if you have exactly if i have all the free time in the world maybe on a bad weather day i might not go 
But if I only yeah, have it, Saturday and Sunday to hunt, well then, you know, I'm going to be a little more aggressive. Yeah, and this this past season I really tried to um, focus on going into the right places at the right time because I had limited time. Uh, so this is my first year married, so I was really trying to, you know, play my cards. I wanted to be with my wife when I could, you know, and when I was hunting it was around Thanksgiving time. So I would just wait for those right winds, right weather. Now, if you want to go down another route, if we could go down the rabbit hole, but we're going to wrap this up real quick. But talk about hunting a place with the perfect temperature, but with the wrong wind. Um, that goes back into manipulating with the uh, mobile hunting. But um, be in the woods whenever you can. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next one is Drew. And Drew, you got. Let's see. That gummit. You got 13. Yeah, that's me. Lucas. All right. Okay. Did we? You, Drew, you yes. asked Parker about early season stuff already. But yes. I know we've been talking about rut. I'll, I'll change it up. Okay, you're stranded on a massive piece of land <laughs> with absolutely nothing except freaking whitetails. You have to choose one person to keep you and hey, what's Parker? This is a good question. You, <laughs> you have to like fantasy have... land questions, <laughs> but I like no. it. Keep going, those are great. Look. Only thing you can kill is whitetails. You have one person you can pick that you can you can count on. Hey, this person is going to be the one that I choose to help me kill all these whitetails. <laughs> and why? Who is that one person? That's a good question. That's <laughs> oh, like that's kind of like uh like setting up like a the TV show alone. It's like an alone question. So it's it's just killing whitetails. Like there, there's nothing else involved. Yeah, I mean we could go the route of you've got nothing. You're stranded. You're, but you're stranded. You may, even, you, you, you may even be naked. <laughs> you, at this point, you don't even know what's happening. You just know that you've got. I don't know what's person. happening right now. <laughs> you got to pick one person. You got to pick one person. You got to get pick one person to be naked tails. with. That's that's and that's a good point. It's, it's Andy May, cold. isn't it, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> it might be Andy May. It might be. Walter. It might be. Um, okay. Where is he at? What what region Luke, is he Yeah, at? like, I mean, is it, like, do I have to create my own weapons? Or, like, do I have weapons? Like, <laughs> hey, I have Wilson whatever with me. I mean, like, is it, Wilson. Is is Tom Hanks there? He can um, be as primitive as you want to. I mean, if we're going like the primitive route, go that route. No, I'm asking. I'm asking you. Well, um, I didn't write that down, but you have weapons. You Your weapons just happen to come with you. I'm, yeah. I'm mass, yeah. a massive island. Piece um, of property island, Whitetail Island, Whitetail Island. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I and why? Try. Why are you picking this person? Oh, oh, all day. Warren Womack, all day. 
Why? Why? Yeah, why? Because he knows all the vegetation. He's killed more deer than any of us combined. Has record of it. Can kill him with anything. Gun, bow, longbow, ninja star, shooting fish, whatever. Okay. All right. Um, he's also very patient. Doesn't rush anything. Um, knows how to hunt different scenarios. And, you know, listen. If you got to go with like the young guy or the old guy, always go with the old guy. Wisdom always wins. It's a good answer. Then please. Yeah, screw you. Screw you, yeah. Luke. Stupid, <laughs> stupid question. Well, your Dumbest beard has white in it. You're old as dirt. Uh, so if you're on an island. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually, that was one of my favorite questions all night. So <laughs> That was I me too. I, I like it so much we should all answer it. Let's do that real quick. Oh, Luke, one person, who would you choose? Real quick. I mean, I got to give a shout out to Michael Perry. Oh, good choice. Question. Good, good choice. Good choice. All right, Matt. Um, probably Zach Farrenball. Zach Farrenball. Adam. I'm going to go kind of leaning towards Drew's direction on the Y, but I'm going to choose Catman. Catman. Oh yeah. Oh. I, I ask these questions and I just don't know who I would choose. Wisdom is not about age, fellas. Um, I tell you, I got a rando for you. This is who I would choose. This is a rando one, Bartlett Kimbrough. Mm. Oh, no, this rando. The, it, it's a random one. This guy we haven't ever is talked it, to. He not he, because we haven't tried. Yeah, the guy is a killer. A killer. He's just a killer. It, to the point where, like, he's killing Alabama turkeys almost daily. And he's so worn out on deer because they're so easy for him. Like, I have literally, I've talked to him on Facebook and he said that to me. I don't really care much about deer. They're a little easier. Yeah. Mm. This guy's Andy a May's a good one though too, Cruz. Must be Andy nice. May's. Andy May was yeah, a good and, one too. And he's how big good, was this good. island? Hey, you know what? It's your imagination. You, you whatever acreage you want. Luke, Luke, Luke's probably making him up right now, like World of Warcraft or something, talking to us while also doing that. You know, just I making mean, up you're stuff. The one sitting in a kid's he, bed. Uh, <laughs> you got baseball pillows behind. You're you, in a treehouse. It's a couch. Drew. It's a couch. <laughs> you're in a treehouse. He's built this on Minecraft. <laughs> Redneck seventy show. Oh man, that was awesome. Yeah, oh, Christmas lights around your head. All right, who whose question was that? That was Luke. That what was the, Luke. How did you missed that. Luke, Luke to me. Yeah. Luke was asking you. That's right. Yeah. So now it's all I think right. It goes now back it's to Adam's Adam? turn. All right. Adam, you have got. You skipped me again. Oh, that's right. We did. <laughs> you did. You did skip him again. <laughs> so, I meant to. I, and then nobody's going to speak up either because y'all done hate me for that dang question. All right. Uh, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, you got. No, uh, you know what? Just go to Adam. God, we, <laughs> we want to hear Adam instead. Luke, so we're got... suburban hunting, Adam. You want to sh- you want to hunt at Lowe's or Walmart? Which one do you want to hunt at? Luke, you Lowe's. got ten. That's me. Oh, that's what? me. That's me. Okay. Oh, okay. Number this. This will be a private land question. Uh, you run feeders or corn pile. It doesn't matter. Uh, you have you put out corn for a week. You've got a camera on it. You've noticed the deer have been coming it to it every week. You put the corn out on Monday. You can hunt on Saturday. The corn runs out on Friday. 
Okay. Do you go and hunt it Saturday or do you go replenish the corn and hunt it Sunday? Dang, that's a specific one. Well thought out. Like somebody hunts over uh, Matt. Depends. Matt's depends. asking for a friend. He's asking for a friend. Well, I've depends, been here. depends on the same scenario, you know, weeks before. So when if, the corn disappears, the deer are gone. Yeah. So if I am, if I am putting more corn out, if I'm baiting, if I'm putting more corn out and I see that they're, they're coming back ASAP, then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. do it. If not, and they're lingering around, then I mean, I'm going to chance it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I've always got the motto of, you know, I can't kill anything sitting at home, but That's I'm right. definitely going to read into what I've got going weeks before months before if I'm doing that. Yeah. Good answer. That was good. Yeah. That, that's that's what I've, you know, when I do hunt over corn, that's what I, I do. Um, because a lot of people, they'll run out of corn and they'll be like, oh, I ain't going. There ain't no deer going to come around there. So. Bunch of corn hunters. <laughs> corn. Yeah. Corn hunters. Hey, that was just my it, question. It, I just answered it's the bait. question. It, it's bait, not corn. It's bait. <laughs> bait pile. All right, Adam, you're up, man. I'm going to try okay. to speed us along so we can maybe get everybody's questions in here. You're up, and we have got um, 14. Have we already done that? No, that's my last uh, one. All right, right, you're a prime hunter when it comes to rut. You've had success, but not much during early season. I know we kind of talk about early season, but what are you going to be looking for? How are you going to locate? How are you going to execute early season success when you haven't had it before? What's your first go-to's? Man, I'm just going to go back to where we went earlier. Uh, beans, CRP, um, evening hunts, probably only unless we got some really bad weather. And that's how I'm going to attack it. I got I want to add to this question, Luke, because uh, to make it a little bit, make it a little bit difficult. Um, Luke, you mentioned that Adam at this point has not been successful with what he's been doing. So really he has not a great starting place. Is there any resources, Adam, that you would say somebody should look into or uh, somewhere that you would go for like a person who's specifically good at this? What resources are you going to try to uh, consume? Ooh, man, that one's a tough one. Um, I've consumed so much over the years that I've put it in notes on my Apple iPad. Most of it's from John Eberhardt, honestly, uh, leaving out the scent control. So I'm going to go John Eberhardt just because most of his is in written form that you can copy and paste. Um, so, yeah, John Eberhardt. Luke, I'll, I'll also chime in real quick, too. One of the things we haven't mentioned in this whole conversation is water. I would I would locate a water source of some, some type, especially early season um and uh check that out as, as well because they're gonna have to be i mean especially if it's drought that's even better what from what i found because they're they have to they have to find it so i would set up over you know a pond puddle um lake stream something well you're on an island you'll never run out so you just stay over there <laughs> uh, lord have mercy i would say to the dequistos are a great resource in early season stuff the kind of the if you watch 
they, they have they do have good stuff. A lot of their <laughs> a lot of their uh, success happens pre rut, early season of pre rut, and they'll call those shots. And it's always pretty impressive. They're good. They'd That's be cool. a great resource. All right, um, my turn. Yeah. Um, I got. Three. Have we already done three? Nope. Adam? I was, hope, I was hoping you'd get this one. Do I get Because your, we've talked your, about it. Your buttery, buttery smooth voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to butter it up. <laughs> we've talked about this question so many times, so I'm going to see if you'll answer it the same way this time. Uh, it's early November. I have to get out of the room. <laughs> it's early November. Uh, you're hunting a brand new piece of property, but you only have four days. How much time are you spending scouting, and what does that scouting trip look like? Hmm. Four days. So here's a here's something I do most of the time if I'm going to a new place. I usually try to give myself more time than that. But yes, can I answer for him? No, <laughs> no go ahead. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. No, I'm gonna stay ten days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna serious. stay longer, and that's gonna be my first play. Um, no, but, but if I only have four days, regardless, if I, if I have, let's say, let's say if I have seven days, I'm going to scout for about three. Uh, but if I have four days, I'm four full days of hunting. I'm probably going to spend the whole first day scouting. And if I don't find anything amazing in that first day, I'm going to move to the second day, knowing that I'm getting close. I'm going to do maybe a 50, 50 split of scouting to hunting. So I'm going to do a lot of like, scouting into a spot and trying to find the right spot and plan on hunting that day. But if I don't set up anywhere, then I'm still just going to scout and I'm going to continue doing that until I find somewhere that's good. Um, a good example is, uh, Missouri a couple years ago, I hunted Missouri and, uh, long story short, we ended up moving to a different part of the state. And at this point I only had three days left to hunt it. And I did so much scouting and very little hunting. And finally, on the last day, I finally found a spot the last afternoon that had good deer sign. And at that point, it had just become a deer hunt. I wasn't even hunting bucks in Missouri. I was just like, I just need, I hadn't even seen a deer at this point. And I was like, I've, I've got to see a deer. And so I scouted, finally found a spot worth actually setting up at, at a decent time in the in the uh afternoon and so i got set up at like one o'clock other than that i'd been getting set up at like four and three um setting up late because i was just scouting everywhere but finally last last day i found something good and i ended up getting a shot at a deer and i missed but um it ended up being being right for that situation so i if i've got four days i'm gonna scout and scout and scout and scout and scout until i find something that's worth wasting or potentially wasting six or seven hours to sit at, you know what I mean? Um, so that's going to be my, my thing. I, I put a lot of deer that I've shot into that same category. Let me, let me also say this too, Adam, and you probably got these text messages too. This is Parker's hunting trips. Okay. Parker goes in a new area. There's excitement. Day number one, day number two, didn't find None's anything. Bleed. And then I'm the worst hunter of all time. <laughs> Depressive text. 
uh, this is terrible. Day three is I miss a deer. My truck breaks down. Um, I get hay fever. Okay. You know, then it, then it goes back down, you know, and then like it comes back up. I'll, I killed one, you know, excitement. And then the hunt ends and that's Parker's four day hunt. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> it right there. Every, so, every single hunt. Every single matter. hunt, man. Every that's single exactly hunt. Exactly it. Consistency. You can substitute that with turkeys too. So yes, turkeys deer yes. doesn't matter. That's what you call consistency boys. That's what that is. Keep it up, Parker. Keep it up. Yeah. yeah. A consistent roller coaster. It is, man. Yeah. I, so. Try being my wife. Imagine how she feels. No. Um, who all has questions left? Drew, you I'm have out. questions? I guess two. I'm out. I'm out. Matt's out. I have one more, but it's like pretty redundant. I feel like. Drew, you've so got we'll scratch two? Mine. Yeah, I got, I got just one more. I mean, what, what I would consider a decent one. All right, and, Drew, ask Matt your question. Okay. Um, all right, Matt. So it is pre-rut, okay? Pre-rut on public ground here in the south. Um it's forecasted for swirling winds all day. Okay. Um, you have two choices. You can hunt a thermal hub or you can hunt the main feed tree close to bedding. Which one do you hunt and why? I'm going to hunt a thermal hub. Um, because whether you have straight winds or not, your wind's always going to be iffy because of the thermals in the thermal hub. So regardless of that, you're going to be able to catch those deer curious and wondering what's going on. And you have more of a chance than getting a deer to come inside 50 yards to a feed tree with swirling winds near bedding area. It's a precise, else anything good. Different? precise answer. It goes back to me for the thermal hub. What, what I talked about earlier, the reason I went there is because the wind was supposed to completely switch directions all day. And I went in there and it ends up being, if you understand thermals and you understand how to set up in the thermal hub, then it really blocks a lot of the wind. You're still dealing with thermals and overriding winds potentially. Um, But if you understand how to set up, then you can set up pretty bulletproof for any, any thermal, any, any way the thermals are going to either be pushing or pulling. Yeah. And that's, and I, you know, a lot of times you can, you look at the forecasted wind and it do something totally different somewhere just because of the terrain feature, whether it be a thermal hub or just a hillside. I've, I've had days where it's blowing 13 mile an hour winds and you go and set up on the opposite facing hillside and it's the wind's not even blowing where you're at. And that's where all the deer movement is. Um, so yeah, uh, thermal hub all day. It's awesome. Adam, you look like you wanted to say something. No, I just agree. I thought, Matt just knocked it out of the park on his original answer. Honestly, it's pretty textbook. Yeah, I think so too. That was fun. Adam, you got one more. Oh, you want to add something? Go ahead. My question was very redundant and it has already been answered. I promise. Okay. Were you going to add something, Drew? Yeah, this one hadn't been. Um, Last question. Who's the first person? This goes to Adam. Okay. All right. Um, Who's the first person you call after you kill something? Parker right now he's been my go-to well he's the only person I usually call so (laughs) other than Walt sometimes (laughs) we had to get a Walt reference in Walt says yeah go get him boy go go get him boy go get him boy 
just, I just, I just love how Walt doesn't call any of us because he didn't kill anything. So you know, it's Ooh, like, golly, you know? <laughs> dang, <laughs> lit him up. You know, always count you, on, I'll always count on Drew. Uh, <laughs> he's wearing uh, his glass out right now. Easy on it. Yeah. God. All right. Luke, who would that's you... Red, that's Redneck Jeopardy. I'm who, telling you. Who, let's everybody answer this. Luke, who's the first person you call? It's going to be my dad. Yeah, dad Same. for me. Yep. Dad Same. for me. I have Go. no idea what this says about me. <laughs> or my dad. Sorry, dad. <laughs> hey, it's just, hey, it basically it just, just means you start calling, me, really good start calling me daddy. Yeah. That's all I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but I'm glad you did. Are y'all sure y'all don't want to be on the island? I mean, yeah, so. Drew's like, hey, there's room on the island. <laughs> oh, that's Redneck Jeopardy, guys. What do y'all think about that? I loved it, man. That was, man, that was great. Hey, good idea, Drew. Great job. Yeah. Yep. Team ball, here you go. Here's our Thanks, team, guys. Our team balls. We're going to make hey, a little trophy. Speaking, speaking of team, Reeves, when are we getting an invite to come bust some hogs? I don't know. I got to figure out when I can go. I've got too many beach trips lined up right now. Uh-oh. Basic white boy. Basic white boy. <laughs> Lord Basic white boy going into the summer. Got to yep. be family man for the summer so I can go out in the fall. That's it. That's, that's it. Uh, that's a good point. Good point. I'm wanting, I'm wanting to stick one with it with a longbow. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I got to get, get stuff set up. And boys, deer season is going to be here soon. So Crazy, yeah. man. Oh, we all need to get some sleep. Start resting up. It's coming. Thanks, guys, for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with it next week. See Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout-out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.